Hello, I'm Pippa Kelly. Welcome to the third series of Well I Know Now, in which I talk to people affected by dementia in various ways. Since launching my podcast during our first lockdown last year, I've chatted to people living with dementia, people caring for loved ones, to artists, authors, broadcasters, cartoonists and actors, representing, recording and charting the lives of those with the condition. I've spoken to the chief executives and founders of dementia organisations, big and small, and each and every one of my guests has taught me something new about the condition and how it affects us all, about myself, about life and what's important in it. We've mulled over what we know now that we didn't before dementia came into our lives. My mum lived with vascular dementia for her last 10 years. Were I to sum up one of the main things that I know now that I didn't this time last year, and what a strange, unsettling and isolating year it's been, it's the huge power of connections, of real skin-to-skin human connections, of bear hugs and whisper-soft touches, and what we mean to each other and give to each other just by being there. It's often the seemingly smallest things that matter most. It was the poet Sylvia Plath who wrote, well, I know now a little more about how much a simple thing like a snowfall can mean to a person. Dementia teaches you this too. Today, for my series finale, I have not one, not two, but three guests. You're in for a treat, and I need a good dollop of luck if we're to get through this without a major technical hiccup. But here goes. On the end of three phones up in Yorkshire, I have, I hope, two Ians and one Tony. They're all highly creative, very successful, and on a mission to help those with dementia lead happier, easier, more fulfilled lives. Their latest collaboration is a colourful one with a powerful past, when trades unions were illegal and women's votes were a long way off. They are the Bard of Barnsley, aka Ian McMillan. A man with so many titles, it's difficult to know which to choose, but I've plumped for poet, comic and broadcaster. Internationally acclaimed photographer Ian Beasley. And last, but by no means least, one of the UK's most prolific and best-loved cartoonists, not to mention previous Well I Know Now guest, Tony Husband. They join me today, well, virtually that is, to chat about The Unfurlings, a series of richly and traditionally embellished banners which they created with people living with dementia to illustrate the best and worst aspects of how we as a country and a society treat those with the condition. Brought together in 2018 through a series of what sound like fairly riotous workshops in Exeter, the trio, along with people with dementia, compiled comments, poems, cartoons and photographs to help the public better understand what it's really like to live with the condition. And in that same year, the first banner was created with Yorkshire Dementia and Empowerment Project, or DEEP, who were campaigning for those living with dementia to be better served by public transport. The right to a grand day out, as it's called with a nod to Wallace and Gromit, was unfurled in the middle of the rush hour at York Station, with Ian McMillan reading his poems, which is altogether a wonderful image. Many more banners followed, from the Young Dementia Leeds Cottingley crew, marching forward together against dementia, to the Budding Friends Allotment Project in Exeter, 
digging for memory and growing stories. The Hamari Yadin South Asian Dementia Cafe in Leeds and Bradford's Face It Together group who work with local businesses to make facilities such as cash machines more accessible. What links them all is colour, humour, understanding, warmth, local knowledge and a sense of shared history. Banners traditionally represented hope for the future. They showed what ordinary people could achieve when they united in a common cause. So Ian Beasley, Ian McMillan and Tony Husband, creators of the fabulous Unfurlings and Fearless Dementia Champions, I see you as Dementia's answer to the Three Musketeers, a very warm welcome to Well, I Know Now. Thank you very much. Thank you, yeah, pleasure. I think, I think you've said it all there. I think you've said it all. Yeah, should we just go home now? Should we just go home and have a cup of tea? Yeah. <laughs> Trouble is, we are at home having cups of tea. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to come to. This is going to be. Uh, it's going to be difficult to sort of keep corralling you three, but I'm going to come to Ian McMillan first and ask you whose idea was it to use banners? Because it's a brilliant idea. It was Ian Beasley's idea. We'd been working together for a while, as you say, doing all kinds of projects. Exeter, Oldham, places like that. And we'd done books and we'd done exhibitions. And both of those were good. But I think we all felt there was another step that we could take, but we couldn't quite fathom what it was. And then Ian Beasley said, why don't we do some banners? And instantly we thought, well, what a fantastic idea, because the banner combines our creative strengths of visual work and verbal work. And a banner is instantly accessible to somebody having a look at it. You don't have to go to a gallery. You don't have to pick up a book and open it. Mm. So definitely it was Ian's idea and it's been a fantastic success, the banners. It was your idea, wasn't it? Um, yes, I think it possibly was. But it came out of when we were at the York Group and they'd been trying to engage with Network Rail and York Station mm. for better facilities. Yes. And they weren't getting any response from emails or letters. And I've done a lot of work with the People's History Museum, the National Coal Mining Museum. And I just said, I'll tell you what, why don't we just make a massive banner <laughs> and we'll unfurl it in York? Mm -hmm. Now, originally, and I'm going to name and shame, we applied to uh, unfurl it in York Minster. Okay. And they turned it down. They turned it down and they even stopped us unfurling it in the square outside <laughs> the Minster. Why? Because they said it wasn't one of their recognised charities. So then I thought, well, let's apply to York Station. And um, they were very helpful, though I don't think they quite understood, <laughs> mainly because I might have been a little bit... Um, a little uh, bit uh, loose with the actuality. Economical, economical with the actuality. Yeah. With what we were going to do. But they were fantastic. And we, we did it at Rush Hour and we had a brass band. Fantastic. And, I mean, I remember all the, the bars there lent us chairs for all the people mm. to sit on. So people really engaged. Yeah, I bet. And, of course, when it kicked off, it caused quite a bit of disruption. But <laughs> I did get a very nice letter. We got a very nice letter from the station master saying that um, he was told by his staff that we hadn't done a little ceremony, we'd done more of a demonstration. If legislation goes through today, we might have been yep. all arrested. Because <laughs> we, did, we did make a lot of noise. But the great thing was, and it, it proved the power that people actually engaged yeah. with the people who were actually living with dementia. Exactly. So there was the shared experience, and people yeah. say, "Well, you know, my dad's 
you got it on my granddad and stuff like that. Yes. Um, the banner historically, they've always drawn people together on marches. Mm. And, and I think they, they worked. It was a fantastic idea from Bayer Beasley. And it, it totally worked. And it brought older people together. And they could see on the banner the front and the back, which was negative, positive. It was a grand day out that day. It was great. Yeah, would one of you banner. like to just describe the banner? Because it was red on one side, wasn't it? And black on the other, showing the negative aspects. And it had various sort of icons of Yorkshire. I'm not allowed to say Yorkshire very much, am I, Tony? I know, but sorry. No, you're all right. It's, it's, it's all right. Oh, I think Victorian yeah. banners are, um, it's what they call it, it's, it's oppositional narrative representation. That sounds very posh <laughs> or deep. Well, it is. I mean, that's a bit of academia for me, but, but it's actually negative and positive. Yeah. So they would often show the negative in what's wrong with mm. a social issue or society. And the other side, you have the positive. Mm. You know, you tell a story. Mm. So on this banner, which was all about transport, on the positive side, it was about the ideal day out in Yorkshire, which, of course, is the ideal day out. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only yeah. problem is when lockdown lifts, we're going to be absolutely swamped. I know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what we're going to do, Ian. I um, can, I, can I just ask you where you live, Ian Beasley? I live in Yorkshire. No, you don't. Can I just say, listeners, you need to realise that there's quite a lot of competition or, or uh, I don't know what there is, friction, shall we say, between these three. There's two of them in Yorkshire and one in... Is it Lancashire, Tony? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm in Thameside now, but I was born in Blackpool, the Paris of the North. <laughs> anyway, to get back to the banner... Mm. Yeah, so yeah. it's... Uh, one side showed the negative difficulty um, navigating... It was a timetable, um, wasn't it? It was a couple of people looking at a, in bafflement at a timetable. Tony did these fantastic cartoons which showed what was wrong, you know, trying to read the timetable, trying to get on a crowded bus, trying to park mm. it down, etc. And on the other side, it's the reverse. So, you know, we're only going a nice day out and we can get from A to B dead easily. Mm. It's very simple, but it, the great thing about using that, it's a visual language, so mm. people to understand it and the idea was that you create this beautiful thing mm. that people then come and look at mm. thinking oh that's really nice and then all of a sudden they realize it's about quite a serious issue mm. Mm. and what changes did you get to the result um well i think the yorkshire d group said that they'd um they'd had long dog. discussions yeah, it's the dog it's just biting the postman um <laughs> he's from lancashire <laughs> yeah, yeah. He crosses, the dog at the postman. They, they cross the border end of our street. They come over from Lancashire. And they, no, they had uh, they had an engagement with I think it was the CEO of Network Rail, who said that, um, that they were going to look at more dementia training for station staff. Yeah, and they also looked at the way that uh, timetables are written. I know that it did have quite a profound effect, Didn't Ian. It's yeah. Tony here. Didn't we have one of the managers travel with us on the train to see what it was like with people with dementia? Yeah, I think he was Northern Rail. And it, it was a day where the train was so crowded. We couldn't all sit together, which was important. Yes. And we found that if you have a wheelchair disability, it's incredibly hard to get on and off a train, yes. on a crowded train. And um, we heard some pretty bad stories about what it was like for us. You can put yourself in their position. Absolutely. To see what, you know, the chaos on that train was scary mm. for anybody. But if you live with dementia, it yes. was, God knows. And the point was you were really including people with dementia in all this. 
yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they, they came with us. They were an important part of our package. Yes. And um, it was important that they could tell us what they felt so we could express that Absolutely. through the banners. And <laughs> That's really important. poems and photographs. Mm. Mm. Ian McMillan, you, you kindly sent me some things that you felt you'd learnt through all your experiences with people with dementia through these projects that you three have been doing. Because one of them was all to do with this, wasn't it, Ian McMillan, about how very important it is to include people with dementia in any kind of policy or... Yeah, I think the, the two things I've learnt is that dementia is unique to everybody who has it. Mm. You often assume that it's going to be some kind of blanket thing, mm. but it isn't everybody who has it. It is a particular prism through which they see the world. But then the other thing I've learned is that if we are going to be inclusive, if we're going to be an inclusive society, which feels a long way off, but if we are going to be, then we must include people with dementia in every aspect of policymaking and also be aware that people around us are living with dementia and take that on board at every point so that we don't mind if people forget things. We don't mm. mind if people can't quite manage something and, and in fact maybe we in an odd way celebrate it's the wrong word but we take it on board so yeah that's what this project has taught me that we need to be inclusive in every kind of way it is hard work there's no doubt it's mm. hard work it's hard policy work it needs mm. a lot of money chucking at it but mm. hopefully when this what we're going through at the moment is all over maybe we'll see some of that kind of thing definitely, mm. definitely. it always strikes me that it's a bit like the disability rights movement when mm. you know really the problem isn't People with dementia, of course it's not. The problem is the rest of society mm. who don't yeah. make these very small amendments. You know, they're pretty small, some of them, that can just make people with dementia be able to lead much more fulfilled lives. It's like, you know, ramps. You've got to have a ramp everywhere now, haven't you, for people in a wheelchair? And yeah. why shouldn't you, you know, why do you exclude people with dementia? So that, that's interesting. And also, I was just going to ask on a slightly more lighter tone, who came up with a great name, the Unfurlings? That, that, was, that was Ian, Ian Beasley. Ian Beasley again. again. So he's the powers, yeah. really, isn't he? He's the brains behind all this. <laughs> I've got to say, he was from Yorkshire, but the, what he has done with this, the way he's organised it and everything oh, is yeah. absolutely, totally amazing. With mm -hmm. both me and Ian McMillan, so much respect for what Ian... Definitely. And how definitely. he did it and how not just the Yorkshire, but all eight banners I think we've done, and I couldn't have done it. I know I couldn't have done what Ian's done. So Ian is the brains behind it, without any question. Mm. Well, we couldn't have done it if we all didn't get on. And we all didn't. Oh, yeah. it, it's a collaboration. That, I, that, that, it, that's it, rubbish. It, that's absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll well, have a word with you yeah. later, husband. <laughs> no, that's I mean, so true. It's not a participatory project. It's a collaboration. Mm. And, and I think that's the important thing. It's a collaboration of us three, but it's a collaboration with all the people living with dementia, all the carers, mm. all the institutions we've worked with, and everybody has the say. We try to make it as democratic as possible. Mm. The other thing that we all come at it is the fact that, you know, we're not social workers, we're not healthcare professionals. Mm. 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 And as such, we treat every group that we work with exactly the same. Mm, good point. Um, mm. So we don't look at that mm. idea of disabling people and mm. things like that. And I think the greatest compliment that I think that we achieved was when Professor Selina Todd... Yes, Selina Todd is a Professor of Modern History at Oxford, isn't she? She joined one of our workshops and mm. she wrote a lovely piece saying mm. that when she joined this workshop, she said you would have no idea that anybody of that room had any disability whatsoever. Yes. 
because everybody is joining in. And, and that's the thing, that's the process. We just put that idea there that we're going to do a banner. I think also we, we've, we all became friends. Yeah, we all became friends in the room, in each group. Mm. Yeah. We all came away with wonderful memories of people that we loved and became, we were friends with so many people around the country mm. in different walks of life, you know, going to Exeter with the garden down there mm. and mm. the allotment, and, mm. Mm. you know, the city group up in Leeds, mm. who were wonderful, the, the young early onset dementia group in Leeds as well and the olden crowd who we, we spent a lot of time with. I miss them, I miss them a lot because we had this wonderful once a month get-togethers and we created not just the banners but we were also surrounded by banners in this wonderful Oldham Library which is one of the best libraries and art galleries in the country mm. and the most hospitable and we just had a, a real crack there and we were surrounded by the history of the banners that drove us on as well I think. Mm. The thing about the democracy of it which we all love is that it can take a lot of time can't it boys you know so yeah. for example the Oldham banner would modelled it on an old trade union banner that had a lot of steps on it. And we had so much time, we decided what to go on those blooming steps. We think it should be that. Well, we think it should be that. Let's have a cup of tea. We'll come back and talk about it next <laughs> month. Let's do it again. Let's think about it again. God. Which is part of the fun. You know, the process is as much fun as the product, no doubt. I remember Oldham and you go and one of the ladies had made cakes and buns and... Oh, yeah. There's always a little picnic for us when we got too old. Always a picnic. Always a picnic. Yes, Beautiful. yes. Uh, it's interesting what you said, um, Ian Beasley, because I find with all, you know, I see go around to lots of places and look at lots of sort of projects that are going on, and the best ones are always when you can't really tell who's got dementia, who's a relative, mm. who's a carer. People are just people. Yeah. I remember going to one at the Royal Academy where everybody was looking at a piece of art. I think actually the creative arts are very good at just levelling everybody. And, you know, you, you didn't know who was, who was who. You know, everybody was just people. And the people with dementia, their views on this picture that we were all studying and analysing, of course, were everybody's view was equally valid. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, we've all been doing this for a long time, all three of us. And one of the things that, certainly with arts and health, sometimes, you know, you have the artist who leads on it and it becomes more about their perceptions than it does mm. about the participants of the collaborators. Yes. Which is often, I mean, I suppose people can argue that has a validity, but I always think that's a bit too egotistical. Mm. Mm. And it does it get in the way in what you're trying to, to tease out. Mm. You know, you try to give the people that you're actually working with their voice Absolutely. and their say on how they wish to be represented. Yeah, I mean, there's occasions where, you know, we haven't agreed, yeah. really. I've, I thought, well, that's that's not how I see it, but it's not for me to say this is how it should be. It's yes. for them. Yes. So that, that's, I think that's the important thing. And I think because we all subscribe to that as a philosophy, that's why it's it's worked so well. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to you, Ian Beasley, in a minute to ask you to tell us about these projects that you were originally involved with, I think, and sort of set the whole thing in motion. But I want to first ask Ian McMillan, just before Ian tells us all about the ideal project and the uh, life more ordinary, just to set it up, as it were, could you read your lovely poem, The Unfurling, which really says what it's all about here? I don't think we ever actually answered the question about whose idea it was for the unfurling, but I think it was Ian. And unfurling is such a great word. Any word that ends in ing 
is just a great word because it's a doing word and it expands what you're thinking about. So unfurling is just such a fantastic metaphor for what we do because we unfurl ideas and we unfurl brains, we unfurl all kinds of things. So imagine me shouting this into a bad microphone on York Station as commuters go past. <laughs> There's a brass band playing in the background and people say, what's <clears> happening? What's happening? Can you do it again? The unfurling. Let us celebrate the gradual opening of a banner taking its place in the world, a long unravelling and a fine unwinding, like a flower unwrapping itself from itself, a parcel of thinking softly untying or an origami of ideas hugely unfolding as, caught by the breeze, image and language spread their twin messages into the air. And it was just a poem, got all the ing words in it. It's about movement and the idea of the, at the end when it says image and language spread their twin messages. To me, that's what a banner is. It's mm. image and language mm. together mm. spreading mm. its messages. Mm. Absolutely. And this sense of it sort of moving forward. Yeah. That we're on the yeah. way somewhere, that it's a, it's a sort <clears> of progress, isn't it? That's, that's so interesting. Thank and you. Of course, Ian's read that poem at... Every time we've made a banner, we have actually had an unfurling ceremony. Yes, we have. And, and that's the dedication. And it references back to the heyday of when banners were created in the 19th century, where they would have these very elaborate and lavish ceremonies, mm. you know, which included string orchestras, brass bands, mm. singers, you know. And then the great thing then, then you'd march around the town with them. Mm. We never quite managed that, but we had some, good, some good ceremonies. Mm. Mm. And Ian Beasley, then, can you just take us back a bit to when you were doing your your part of a research? Well, you tell us because I'll probably get it wrong, but part of a research study at Exeter University. Yeah, that's uh, Professor Linda Clare. Seen mm. uh, the work that because I'm the artist in residence for the Bradford Institute of Health Research, mm. uh, and I've, I've been there for about fifteen years, and she'd seen the, some of the work I'd done. So she invited me to work with her on a bid for the, it's one of them acronyms I always find difficult to remember, but I think it's Improving Dementia Experience with Active Living. So she asked me to be a part of that. And then the arts, she said, you need a section. And at one of the workshops I've been to, one of the guys said, all I really want is a life more ordinary, which I thought was a lovely phrase. So we used that mm. as an umbrella. Yes. And then, you know, we started work with that and then, Ian and Tony got on board. But we should also mention that we do actually work with a very talented designer mm. called Martin Hall, yeah. who mm, when absolutely. we've done the banners, he puts everything together digitally and provides it ready for print. But then he also, you know, he corrects us sometimes on the typography and the colour. Mm. Yes, I was going to ask you about the banner, actually, because you know exactly how that is made. What does it comprise of? Well, the ones that we produce are on heavy-duty waterproof vinyl. Right. Because we, you want something that's fairly durable. Yeah. So you, people who have them can hang them inside, outside, wherever they want. You can clean them, they don't tear. And they're also comparatively cheap. Mm -hmm. We couldn't mm -hmm. afford to make traditional banners because yeah. they are incredibly expensive. Yes, yeah, so they're very intricate, aren't they, the original ones? Yeah, and there's only about, I think there's only one place left now in Britain that does make traditional banners. Really? Yeah, which is in Durham, which is the, I think it's called Durham Banners. Right. Mm -hmm. And they still produce them on silk. Wow, okay. Hand painted. What, 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 what size are they? And I always try and remember what size they are, but they're big, aren't they? 
Uh, well, the ones that we do are approximately two meters square, and yeah. I only I only came on that dimension because that's that's the size I can fit in my car. But how many do you do of each banner? Well, some of them we've done multiples because this was one of the ones where we were caught by surprise on just how popular it was. So all the groups get a copy of the banner, but then various art galleries and museums said they wanted them. So pre-lockdown, we've actually got four exhibitions of it touring nationally. Mm. So these four copies of each banner is all locked down in various galleries. Can you name a few of the galleries if people want to go and see them? Well, Exeter Library have got a selection. Mm-hmm. The Lighthouse in Poole. Yeah. Lighthouse in Poole. Harris Art Gallery in Preston. Mm-hmm. They've got a set. Gallery Oldham have got a set. But they were all supposed to be touring to other venues, but obviously with lockdown, that's all changed. And did you do any more taking them out onto stations or somewhere and basically causing a, a huge kerfuffle? Did you do that again, like you did on York Station? I think we mainly did them in institutional settings. So I remember the Huddersfield one was at that Alan Jackson Centre near the station, so lots that's of people right. came to that. Yes. I think the York one was the only one where there was such a public interface, as I remember. Mm. There's the one at the People's Museum in Manchester, wasn't there? That was a big one where we launched them all. That was a huge one. That was the big one, the People's History Museum. And who comes? Everybody. I mean, who comes? People with dementia, their carers, families, people who just happen to be there? All those people. There's often a mayor uh, (laughs) with a chain. There's often a mayor who don't quite know what they've come to. And they know that in, the, in a minute they've got to go somewhere else. I've just come from a different Buffy, but the mayor is there yeah. at exactly the moment of the reading of the poem and the photo opportunity. Yeah, funny the mayor's that. very pleased with it, and the mayor goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At York, we had the telly, we had the radio. We often get a lot of local press coverage because it's a good story and yeah. you, can, you can make it visually interesting. Obviously. Of course, this is the whole point, isn't it, of the banners? Yeah. We had loads of postcards, so when you go away, you take a postcard with you. So yes, I've seen that, those. They're lovely, aren't they? Distribution. Yeah. They're really good. We also did, just going up, we did a, a banners for um, the National Health and Care Workers and um, Key Workers, didn't we? We've done three there of are. those. Was it three or four? Five. Four, I think. Five, in the end. Five. Where were they used? We did them um, originally digitally, and then we, we printed um, a series of posters, which people, if they just emailed me, we sent them free copies. Put them up in their windows and what have you. Yeah, we did all that. And then the local paper here, who were part of a group, printed them as pullouts. So they printed about 10,000. Cool, brilliant. Which they gave out. And then um, I had the banners made fully and we donated them to a hospital in Kent. Royal Tunbridge Wells Hospitals contacted me and said they thought that these banners thanking the NHS key workers, carers, volunteers, etc., were fantastic. So I said to the guy, well, you know, would you display them if we gave them to you? So we, we donated them to them and they've got them displayed in the main floor of the hospital. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then the Bradford Royal Infirmary CEO got in contact with me and she said she'd like the one of the NHS workers. So that's we gave that one away Brilliant. as well to them. Now, can you tell me, um, Ian McMillan, if you can, mm. or maybe somebody else is better placed. But I love the idea, just because I'm quite a keen gardener myself, of this allotment of time. Tell me a bit about that particular project. Well, this is the one in Exeter. And what I do remember most about that is our first meeting was improbably, we thought nothing was going to happen because we turned up 
it was throwing it down in Exeter. It was a really wet, miserable day. We went to this austerity battered community centre and we walked <laughs> in and we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a great photograph they've taken of me, Ian and Ian with woolly hats on yeah. and Tony just like chucking it down with rain and we thought we've come all the way to Exeter, it's a long way, yeah, nothing's going to happen. Then gradually people started to come didn't they, started to arrive and it built into one of the most wonderful sessions and they have this garden, this allotment and so we just we just sat and talked about gardens, talked about allotments. It began from there, really. Budding friends began from there, and I only went to two or three of those meetings, but I know Ian and Tony went more often. And we've got a real fantastic <laughs> just relationship. Just call me Ian. I'm sorry, Tony. I called Ian. I'm sorry. Just call just call me Ian. Sorry. I will. I will. So it was just it became, you know, because I'm always thinking in metaphors. The garden is such a great metaphor. And who came up? Was it you, Ian Beasley, who came up with it? one of the participants who come up with that phrase, the allotment of time, because that was just such a great yeah, it's phrase. It's very clever, I thought that, isn't it? Because it works on so many levels. Very clever. Is that you, Ian? I think it might have been. It came up in one of the workshops. Somebody just said it. I, I said remember it we were in a workshop and they had a... Oh, in the allotment shed, they had a very odd clock. Aye, that's right. And I remember looking at it and thinking, oh, you know, it's about time and stuff like that. I mean... Sadly, they're having a really hard time at UK Exeter. They've had to make 25 staff redundant. In the lockdown, in the COVID situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, we're still in contact with them. And Being outside, for a start, is brilliant. It's mm. very sort of soothing on the mind, isn't it, for everybody, and particularly for people with dementia. And using your hands yeah. and, you know, the tactile sort of nature of it all is really good. It's like the sounds, the smells. Yes. You know, the feeling of the earth, it just takes you back to the basics. Yes. Mm. And you could tell that people were very comfortable in that space. Yes. Surrounded by greenery and birdsong and the yes. sun shining. Yes. It's been shown, actually, that it does help people because it reduces anxiety because a lot of the time, if you've got dementia, if you're on a very busy street with noises sort of coming at you from out of nowhere, you know, suddenly a, a car roars past... Mm. or a lot of people jostle you on the pavement. But in, in nature, green is very calming. And it's much sort of, um, it's at a slower pace. And then also with gardening and allotments, you're producing something. There's a purpose to it. Things are growing. You could grow mm -hmm. vegetables, you know, and beautiful mm. flowers, and uh, which is also good. I think now might be a nice time, Ian McMillan, for you to read another one of uh Sure, yeah. This, I mean, this, what Ian Beasley often does is he'll have he's very interested in hands and the way that hands tell a story and the way that just placing a photo of somebody when they were younger in the hand of themselves when they're older yes. can tell a tale. And one of the photos was just someone with a picture, I think it was of themselves when they were younger yeah. with this photo. And it's just about looking back at yourself as you were. And so it's just, a, it's a fairly sentimental poem i often try and do poems that are funny or just uh, uplifting but this one feels a bit sentimental but and kind of well hopefully it tells a story i don't know i hold the photo in my hand a face across my palm and somehow i still understand this face means me no harm the eyes look right into my own and hold me warm and tight i hold the photo not alone in a long day's fading light and I like to make these poems rhyme because to me, rhyme is one of the things that can hang on in someone's mind when yes. a lot of other things have gone away. Then rhyme and rhythm are one of those things. And people like rhyme, people like rhythm. And there are a lot of the poems that I wrote for this 
project have been rhyming and rhythmic because they can be aid memoirs, I reckon. They are. You know, mm. I was uh, interviewing uh, Leslie Garrett, the opera singer, and uh, she was involved in a piece of study, I can't remember which university that one was, where if you sing, which poems are almost like songs and the rhythm and oh, the yeah. cadences and the rhyming, mm. can help somebody to take their medication, to brush their teeth, it really does help. And of course, it, it, you're quite right. And even when people are, when their dementia is fairly advanced, quite severe, they can still recite a poem that they learnt at school. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, there are bits of the brain mm. that it will tap into. I think, you know, this whole idea of creativity. Tony, can I come to you for a minute? Because when we talked before, I think it's very nice in the dementia sector to have humour for a start. You and I discussed this, Tony, didn't we? You know, it's good to bring some lightness to the dark, as it were. Humour and music and rhythm and... We all know how important music is to people yeah, with dementia, living with dementia. And, and like you say, rhythm and poems and uh, music are very, you know, they're in the same relationship. Absolutely. So, yeah, just humour is, we all need humour to get through this. Absolutely. I mean, I just remember stories about my dad, you know, going into hide with his pyjama bottoms on. And it's sad, but also it was funny. And my dad came home and said, you know, well, guess what I did? And he was laughing about that. So, yes. So, yes. I think what often happens is as well, that sometimes the Oldham sessions, we would just laugh. We'd laugh yeah. for an hour. We just laughed and laughed, and we had a cup of tea, and laughed some more, you know. And yeah. and an outsider coming in would think, "What's happening there? What creative processes are happening? What artistic yeah. and cultural events are happening?" And in fact, maybe not, but I think they are. I think laughing is just a great thing, particularly when it's a kind of inclusive laughter that's not yes. not taking the mickey out of anybody. Yeah. It's just a yeah. it's a laughter that says, "Let's all have a laugh," you yeah. know. It's hard to describe to funders. When funders say, what do you do? He say, well, we sit there for an hour, we have a laugh. They go, you're having a laugh. He say, well, we are having a laugh, but please give us some money to continue to have a laugh. Because Ian Beasley, I mean, you've heroically sat in many a, oh. a committee and a bid just to try and persuade recalcitrant academics that what we do actually has some value, hasn't it? Yeah, evaluate the laughter. That's tricky. There's yeah. no laughing now, I can tell you. There's no laughing. <laughs> To go back to the poem, do you remember? I can't remember the guy who wrote a poem to remember his mobile phone number. That was Terry. Can you yeah. read it, Ian McMillan? Can you see that or not? So it's called To Remember My Mobile Phone Number. I rise and shine each morning. I think of good times that have been before. I don't need to rise at 06, but I sleep till 8 14. And 24 hours make up the day. 38 is the house next door. And 14 is where I used to live, but I don't live there no more. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> And he made that up. Yeah, that's great. Oh, Terry was a great one for poetry. He loved poetry. He loved making up poems. We haven't seen him for a year, so don't know how he is, but... I think he's all right. I've been in touch oh, with Jean. She said most of the rag art muffins are coping. Where are they? That's Oldham. Oldham. Do you think once we get into June, we might be able to go see them? After June the 21st, you should be able to. I think that's the great unlocking, isn't it? We should try and set up a session. What I was saying about the, the name, the ragart muffins, came from ragamuffins, which is a Lancashire delicacy. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> well, on the, on the on our first session at Oldham, we said, uh, we were, I was talking about Yorkshire puddings. And I said, what do you have in Lancashire? They went, rag puddings. We love rag puddings. I went, you what? You eat rags? And <laughs> as then Linda, one of the members, brought along this fantastic rag pudding. So we said, right, we're going to be the ragamuffins. And somebody came up with the ragart muffins. I think it was Tony. Tony, Tony come yeah, up with yeah. And then we said, now... Do, 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 do you want to explain what a ragamuffin is, Ian? Because I'm not 100% sure. 
a ragamuffin is just like an urchin or a, yeah. another word for a kind of street child, and it's somebody yeah. who's a bit kind of on the edge and a bit. I meant the puddings. The, oh, the puddings. puddings. Oh, the puddings. They're like a. It's mince muslin, and it's mince and suet in a muslin thing, and then you boil it in a pan for a while. They are nice. They're really nice. Linda used to bring ragmuffin puddings and all sorts. Yeah, and that. And yeah, as well, you know, talking about food gets people. Food is memory. So you yes. talk about that kind of stuff. Yes, we got really excited about the ragamuffin puddings. I was going to ask you about your future projects. So you hope to after the you know we all open up the country again. Well, what do you think, Ian? I mean, I would love to go back to those sessions, you know. Do you think we could? Think it like? Well, we might go see them. The problem that we've got is that, you know, there's very little funding no, yeah. available. I mean, Brexit's had a massive impact. We've lost all the European social funds, mm. the research fund. You know, the UK funds are under more pressure from more. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. It'd be nice. Maybe just maybe just go once, just have a little get together. We're going to do something, weren't we, for Exeter? Well, yeah, I did convert the banner. You know, the banner for the, the spring. Yeah, I've had that made into a jigsaw, which I've sent to them. Oh, great, good. Oh, good. Wow, brilliant. Well, that's interesting. Is that for a dementia group? You've sent it as a jigsaw. Well, I spoke to Penny, who runs the Exeter group. Ah, oh, yes, that's Penny Unit from Age UK Exeter. And they've opened the allotment up, but. She said everybody's so fed up and, you know, there doesn't seem to be much light yeah. in it. So I said, well, you know, we'll sit together and see if we can do something for you. So we threw around these ideas of making something to uh, try and cheer them up a bit. And then one of the ideas that I've, we've had for a while is making the banners into jigsaws because I know that mm. people even with dementia often the jigsaw is a very mm. good mm. activity. And... Uh, Strangely enough, I found this place in Slovenia <laughs> that, um, that will make... See, see what I mean, Pippa? See what I mean? Yeah. Only Ian Beasley could find a place uh-huh. in Slovenia that makes jigsaws. True. <laughs> but, but what's yeah. even better, the man who ran the company, I emailed him and said, I'm doing this, and he rang me up. Really? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do some jigsaws. How many do you want? I said, well, I, you know, I haven't got much money. And he said, I'll do you four for the price of one. Brilliant. Wow. Brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, and he designed a box. Um, oh, great. They're like 25-piece jigsaws of the banner That's of... That's brilliant. ...loving friends. Yeah. And um, they, I, we're really surprised of this man's sort of generosity and the speed we yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you find that, don't you? This is why the unfurling, you know, the poem said all that, because in a way it becomes organic. Yeah. You know, yeah, one, thing, yeah. one thing leads on to another, which is absolutely yeah. great. Absolutely. And that partly because of the creativity. Well, anyway, thank you very much for giving thank up you. your time and coming on. It was really good to thank talk you. to you, really good. And I'm glad we sorted out where you're all from. I was unusually nervous about recording today's episode. Keeping some semblance of order while interviewing two Ians and one Tony at the same time in three different places was always going to be challenging. But I have to say my nerves were unfounded. The three musketeers from up north, we won't mention the sensitive subject of their own particular counties, were brilliant. It's just struck me that we're once again back to connections. I first came across Tony Husband, in terms of dementia, I've always loved his cartoons, through Exeter's Shining a Light calendar, which he illustrated. Tony and Ian McMillan have collaborated together for over 20 years. And Ian, in his turn, has long worked with photographer Ian Beasley, so it made perfect sense when a dementia project came up for Ian M to introduce Ian B to Tony. 
so the first seeds of the unfurlings were sown. The banners, the concept of subversive and wholly positive activism for a great common cause, the energetic creativity, the warmth and talent, it's a winning combination. I loved the Musketeers' dry sense of humour, their banter and chat. I loved their rich northern voices. I could listen to Ian McMillan reciting his poems all day. And I'm delighted that while the story of the unfurlings duly unfurled, the podcast, despite my misgivings, never quite unravelled and remained miraculously somehow intact. And that's it for this series. But never fear, the numbers of you listening to Well I Know Now just keeps on rising. I'm amazed and humbled that my small idea for lockdown last year has proved so popular. And I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to such diverse and interesting people. So I'll be back in the early autumn. I've already got one or two fabulous guests lined up for you. Meanwhile, keep safe and have a wonderful, happy and healthy summer. And finally, if you've enjoyed listening today, I would be very, very grateful if you would rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform or channel you're listening to it on, as this will help spread the word about the podcast. And then together, perhaps we can further diminish the stigma, increase the knowledge and quash the myths surrounding dementia.